Hey, fintech friends. Hey, fintech friends, welcome to one of the best fintech news and business podcasts out there. So here's the structure of this episode. We're going to go through the fintech news and the fintechionery. Then I'm going to have a chat with this week's friend, Michael, the EVP and general manager of Navan Expense. He's got some really exciting news to talk about, Navan Connect. So we're really going to have a good chat about like what that means, what that is, why that's relevant, all these amazing things. Then we're going to have a look at the latest events and have a snippet of one of the latest Signals articles. Okay, so today's Fintechionery is unicorns. And no, I don't mean what my niece plays with. Well, maybe I kind of do. But in terms of fintech, I mean a unicorn is what most people in the financial world call a startup that is privately owned with a valuation that exceeds over $1 billion, according to Investopia. Reaching unicorn status is a rare feat. In order to become a unicorn, companies must have an innovative idea, a clear vision for growth and a solid business plan, as well as a viable way to get their message to venture capitalists and private investors. That's this week's Fintechionery. This week in Fintech. Okay, let's go through the news. In product launches, JP Morgan launched its Payments Partner Network, a B2B marketplace for the banks, merchants, and corporate treasury clients to access third-party integrations for their end-to-end payments and working capital needs. In other news, let's stay on JP Morgan. JP Morgan is also betting on the world's wealthiest with its new 23 division for the 700 families worth more than $4.5 trillion. Big banks could face up to a 20% boost to their capital requirements following the failures of SVB, Signature and Silvergate. SWIFT, the transaction messaging network, is working with more than a dozen financial institutions on a blockchain solution for its messaging network. NatWest partnered with the University of Edinburgh on a new centre for purpose-driven innovation in banking, and UK lawmakers are calling for a dedicated crypto regulator. Australia plans to phase out all physical checks by 2030. In product launches, Wealthfront launched automatic portfolio investing for bonds in response to the surge in interest in fixed income products. Wealth Tech Mastro launched Document AI for automated capital calls and distributions. In other news, UK bank facilitator Checkout became the first global platform to secure an inquiring license from the United Arab Emirates. Coinbase is still planning to launch institutional Bitcoin and Ethereum future contracts. Starling Bank enabled a new feature that allows victims of abuse to turn off potential abusive transaction messages. Amazon is testing restaurant dining payments in India. Partnership Corner. WorldPay partnered with a firm to make Buy Now Pay Later available to WorldPay merchants and Amazon Pay added a firm as a merchant payment option. Stripe and Block's Cash App partnered up on letting Stripe US customers use Cash App digital wallets as a payment method. And in the bad news, the CFPB is sounding the alarm about Cash App, Venmo, PayPal and other digital wallets for not being regulated like other banks. 
the US SEC, sued both Binance, the world's largest crypto exchange, and Coinbase, the largest in the US, for the de facto offering unregistered securities through their sale of digital currencies. A firm stock also took a beating due to missed earnings. African B2B commerce platform MarketForce is trimming its budget after investors back- backed out on 8 million in VC commitments. That's This Week in Fintech. Michael is the EVP and General Manager of Navan Expense Management. Michael is obsessed with creating the world's best travel payments platform while overseeing various aspects of the business, including go-to-go market strategy, product development, engineering, and operations. Prior to Nirvana Expense Management, Michael spent the last four years building and leading sales teams with Nirvana, most recently as the VP of Enterprise Sales. Prior to this, Michael was the co-founder of a financial brokerage, Hurley Brothers, and Michael earned a Bachelor of Science degree in psychology and biology with honours from UCLA. Hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Michael. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me on Hey Fintech Friends. Um, It's great to meet you. Where are you based? I'm based in Palo Alto for this podcast. Uh, I live in San Francisco, California, but I typically come down to our headquarters maybe four or so times a week and then work from our SF office once a week. Amazing. And which which place is better? Like, where do you prefer? Yeah, I think the commute's a lot better for San Francisco than, you know, going an hour down to Palo Alto. But I like the Palo Alto office a lot. The reason why I come down here is most of our exec team is down here and we have a lot of meetings throughout the week. So I prefer to... Um, to come down here and, and meet face to face with uh, with my coworkers. That's amazing because you kind of get the best of both worlds. You get to kind of have your life in San Francisco and then also Palo Alto. So if we go back a little bit, it would be good to kind of know, I guess, a little bit about you, a little bit about Navan, and like if I if you were speaking to your non fintech friends, like how would you explain the company and like what you do? Yeah, that's a it's a great question, and and um, you know. I don't think we do so deep fintech that it's uh, super hard to to understand. But if I were to describe what Navan does, um, most most people you know work at at some point in their lives, and a lot of times you end up traveling or doing expense management. And the way I like to describe our company is we like to make really great software, business software that's designed for people. And what we mean by that is in the past, I think a lot of software was designed in the workplace with a lot of friction, and it was mostly made for central teams to control and to basically really make sure people are staying within the boundaries of what they're allowed to do as employees. And we started to see a lot of technology come into the workplace that made it easier and easier to do your jobs and reduce friction. And, you know, examples of that would be Zoom or it would be Slack or some of these different tools out there. And when we look at what are some of the most frictionful pieces about working, um, booking travel, managing your travel, making changes, um, getting support while you're on the road, all the way to paying for your trips or your expenses, ending up collecting receipts and filing your expenses, you know, over the weekend and reconciling and then managers needing to approve. And then how do you sync that into the ERP and your accounting systems? There's a lot of friction there, a ton of friction there. 
And what we do is we make amazing experiences for booking, managing travel and doing your expenses and paying for everything as it relates to work for employees. And it creates such a unique and amazing um, kind of unification there where the employees actually love using our tools. And meanwhile, that creates a lot of automation and management for our central finance teams and teams that are administering travel and expense programs because everyone loves using it and everyone then stays within the policies. You get visibility into what people are doing and you can see all of that in real time and manage your budget as a company, which is even more you know, relevant now uh, that there's a little bit of uh, you know, economic instability. So you're kind of managing the end-to-end process of like travel when it comes to well, work. Um, <laughs> and I, I have a question. This is such a, I guess it's, it's an issue or not an issue um, that everyone kind of comes across when they're working or not an issue, but something that a lot of people have to do. Not everyone has expenses. Um, why did you feel like this was a, a problem that you felt like you wanted to solve? Yeah, you know, it started um, in my er- earlier career. I was traveling for work. Um, I started my career in sales And even before that, like when I went to my first company and I had an onboarding week, right? So I needed to go and travel and stay at a hotel and get the training and and onboarding. And I remember, first of all, booking that travel was cumbersome on the legacy tools, uh, right? You've got the concurs of the world, the agencias of the world. And it's super hard to even figure out what you can book. You don't see all the relevant inventory. You find cheaper prices when you go to the dot-com websites with the airlines or the hotels. So that part was really annoying. Where it got insanely uh, full of friction and almost awkward was that I needed to pay uh, for my trip. So I ended up needing to call my mom and say, hey, like, you know, I need to travel for my new job and uh, or my first job, I just graduated college, and I need to front you know, let's call it $1,000 for the flight and maybe $1,000 for the hotel for the week. Um, How am I going to do that? Right. And it's pretty bizarre that companies actually make their employees or potential employees or new employees front their own personal capital um, on behalf of the business, right? We don't front our payroll or or any other expenses, but we, we have to front whenever we spend money on behalf of the company. And the reality of that is, you know, companies don't like to give out corporate cards to every single employee. They're worried about the control. They're worried that people are going to go spend money, um, you know, erroneously. And it actually accounts for quite a lot of fraud in in small businesses, um, the the expensing process. So I I kind of saw it firsthand when I entered the workplace just right away. It It was booking, making changes. I have to call the travel agency. They ask me, what's my record locator number? I say, I don't know what that is. I booked it with you. They say, no, you didn't. You booked it on Concur go to your email, find the number. And it's like this whole process was so clunky end to end um, that when I interviewed at back then, it was trip actions. And we were about, the company was about six or seven people um, at the time when I joined. Uh, It was so obvious to me, the vision that we were going after. And back then it was just the corporate travel piece. About four years ago or so, um, we saw a massive opportunity in the payments and expense uh, side to um, to go and tackle. And so at the time, I was leading sales teams at TripActions. Um, and then, you know, I had a conversation with Ariel, our CEO and founder. And he said, hey, I want you to kind of take this small team, go into a back corner of the office and go build a brand new company within our company. And come talk to us when you've got customers and product market fit and, and you have something. 
And um, to me, that was like a really, really interesting opportunity of, of going from leading sales to actually figuring out how do you manage product and engineering and design and the marketing aspects. And I saw it you know, early on at Trip Actions and um, I started a company in college. So I was a bit familiar with the whole entrepreneurship thing. And you know, I was always kind of seeing myself as an entrepreneur. And so doing that um, was a was a pretty amazing opportunity for me that um, that allowed me to go dive in and do that. And so with, to your question earlier of, of how do I explain what I do, I, I'm the EVP and GM of the expense business. So we call it Navon Expense, um, which is everything around payments, uh, corporate cards, and expense management here at the company. That's such a great description. And I and I feel like you guys are at this intersect of um, a, a place where everyone can really understand and get on board. Like everyone wants to travel, everyone a lot of people have to travel for work. Um, and I even remember being a graduate. And actually, weirdly enough, when I was a graduate, I did have a corporate card, which was quite bizarre. Wow. But then... <laughs> they trust you. <laughs> yeah, they did, yeah. Although you'd hear, like, scandals of, like, other people doing crazy things with it. Um, so I did have a corporate card straight out of university. Wild. I don't know. That is great. Thinking of, back to it now, it's wild. Um but then actually when I was promoted, I didn't have a corporate card. So I don't know how that works. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so all the money is going to the grads. So yeah, so you guys are at this really interesting intersect and the travel industry is changing so much. So um, do you, like, how will, how, like, where will Navan be in, actually, sorry, just before I ask that question, why the name Navan? Because like when I searched it, like a little town in Ireland comes up. Yeah. And I'm just curious, d- just before I ask a serious question, like why, why Navan? Yeah. So, um, well, I, I guess first the question is why rebrand, right? And um, we, we were named Trip Actions in the past and it was really a name that helped support our early journey, which was to do everything around corporate travel. I mean, it has Trip in the name. Uh, it's the different actions you take, and it was a pretty obvious name. And you know, we're sitting at a nine billion dollar private valuation company, and and decided one day let's let's rebrand. Um, the name is one facet of it, but really the the thing that we saw was that we're building more and more different products. We're building a huge platform, and it's not just corporate travel anymore. It's personal travel. It's groups and guests. It's meetings and events. It's VIP travel, and then you take in all the stuff we're doing around payments and expense, corporate cards, you know, the fintech aspect as well. And so we were, we were looking for a way to basically kind of change the, the company and evolve the name Trip Actions, which didn't cut it anymore, um, into a rebrand. And we also saw it as a really unique opportunity to set the culture of the company, to be who we are. It's a lot more fun and accessible. And when we look at the name Navon, um, it, it stuck out to us uh, for a few different reasons. There's tactical and there's, you know, bigger philosophical ones, but um, it, it kind of stands for navigation, right? Navigating your travel and expenses. It comes from avant-garde, which is easy to use, seamless, it's free, it's fun. Um, it's really accessible and you can read it frontward and backward like a palindrome. And part of this rebrand was us actually going down market. So typically we were selling to companies, you know, let's call it 200 up to the 200, 300,000 employee companies in more of an enterprise type sale. But we've also launched a PLG motion or product-led growth where even if you're one or to five employees, you can come to the website, you can sign up, you can get underwritten in seconds and you could start booking your travel and managing your expenses. Um, and so that was kind of a shift and a pivot of the company, not that we're giving up or anything from the enterprise, but we wanted to make an offering that's so much more lighter and fun 
And that's kind of what Navon stands for. More tactically too, if you look at like the uh, the way that it flows, it's a lot of arches and it kind of, uh, you know, looks like you're traveling through arches. If you look at the A's with the little uh, squiggly, it looks like an airplane window um, and stuff like that. So like you can go deeper and deeper and deeper and analyze, you know, the, the tactical things. But for us, it was kind of a, a, a new direction for the entire company and, and setting up a whole platform that does uh, all the different things that we're, we're starting to build now. Yeah, so actually... I'm glad I asked that question because you kind of answered the question I was going to say anyway, but I want to expand on it because you've kind of gone through this rebrand and like, there's so many different like things that Navan can help with. Like I'm thinking of time. I'm thinking of like the fraud aspect, like you said, with some businesses. And also you kind of touched on the fact that like you kind of started in travel. Now it's expenses. Um, and I, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm wondering like what, what, does it look like next, like in five, 10 years? Because you kind of touched on the idea of like personal travel or like traveling with friends and stuff like that. So is that the area you're kind of going into where it's kind of, you know, if I, if me and my friends go on holiday and we're working out <laughs> expenses, is that is that what we're looking at here? I would say maybe in five to 10 years, right? More and more of the focus would be on on personal. But there, and, and there is a big focus on personal travel today for the employees that are already using us in a corporate sense, um, because we have your loyalty clubs. When you log into our platform and search for a flight or hotel, we know your past booking behavior. It's something like 80% likelihood you're going to book one of the top three options that we show you because we're leveraging AI and ML to, to suggest things that we know that you would like to book that's within your company policy, where your coworkers or friends are staying. And so um, it creates this seamless experience where we've got employees that use us for work and we're building such an incredible experience that people were saying, can I use this for my personal trips too? Which I think that's the bar. It's like if, if people go to it in their consumer life, then you know you've built a really good corporate platform. Um, and so that's the opportunity we're taking advantage now. I think the, the, the question about like where we're going we have a lot of work to do um, to, to, to do travel and expense globally. Um, we're expanding really, really heavily into Europe. We acquired three companies within the last couple of years uh, in EMEA. We just recently acquired a company in India. And I think this problem of travel and expense, and if you really want to completely automate the entire process, there's quite a lot of work to do. Um, and, and that's where we're focused. I think you see a lot of other startups in the space or, or companies that are doing something semi-similar and they're tackling so many different aspects, but we don't feel that any of them are tackling it very well. They kind of do it and say, check a box, and then they move on to the next thing where we're going so deep into the travel payments and expense um, kind of categories. And, and we want to do it at a global scale. And we want to do it for companies that are one employee all the way to companies that are millions uh, or, you know, a couple hundred thousand, if you look at some of the biggest, uh, biggest companies out there. Now, that makes a lot of sense. You're trying to tackle this aspect of it first. And like you said, if it's good, people are going to use it in their personal life. I remember my travel expense um, systems I used at work and there was absolutely no way that I wanted to use them in my personal life because they're so clunky. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And and that's the, that's the opportunity with fintech here. Um, you know, we didn't start a company and say, we're a travel company. And when we started the expense product and, and you know, offering, we never said that we're a fintech. We needed to get really deep into fintech in order to create this amazing experience. And if you're not familiar, what, what our expense product does is when an employee swipes their card, we automatically 
capture the expense. We check if it's within the policy because we know your HRIS system. So we look at your department, cost center, region, subsidiary, all these different things. We check the policy in the system in real time and we use different clues. So we know if you're on a trip or not, which maybe changes the company's policy. So an employee might not be able to spend on a lunch, but all of a sudden they're traveling. Now they have a per diem. That type of expense is okay. And what we do in that real time is we reconcile that to the policy. We then say, okay, let's say it's a good expense and it's approved. We know on your calendar what the meeting was for. We know who the participants are. So we know if it's an external meeting or an internal meeting. We know the transaction because we actually issue the card. And that allows us to say, okay, this is at a restaurant. So it must be for a meals policy and it's you and I. So it must be you know, a meeting between the two of us and, uh, and we're both at the, the coffee shop. And what the employee does is they basically swipe the card, they get a notification, your expense is submitted, you're done. And then on the back end, because the finance team has set these rules up front, nobody needs to go and say, I approve this expense. It's, it's all done. It's already there. You've pre-approved it. You've pre-set it. And then we integrate into the accounting systems. So what we've effectively done is we've completely eliminated the process of expense management. And sometimes, you know, your employer might ask you to upload a photo of a receipt. When you click that link, it immediately opens the camera. You take a photo, the OCR, uh, you know, scans it within seconds. And, and again, the expense is done. And so that's why we went so deep into fintech, because if we did the, the normal, I would say pretty boring and, and kind of lame approach, which is, you know, someone uh, swipes a card and either a few do- days later, it shows up in the expense platform or you fronted your own money. You have to, you know, you swipe your card digitally, but they print out a receipt. Then you have to take a photo of that receipt and upload that back digitally. You have to code it yourself. Your manager has to approve it. It's a really archaic process. And, um, and by us actually getting deep into the fintech area, that allows us to issue cards and, and to be able to control that spend at the point of sale. And one of the biggest advantages or, or, or huge announcements that we're making uh, is what we're calling Nivon Connect, where you can actually get this same technology with your Visa or MasterCard. So you don't even need to go and get a card from us. You don't need to get underwritten from us. We actually have patented technology to connect to the networks so that when your employees on your existing card program swipe the card, we do that same reconciliation of policy and and put that onto that transaction and approve or deny the expense right there. Um, So it's a huge, huge innovation that... um, that we've now built, which doesn't make a company need to change their card to get underwritten by us. And of course, we're here to provide credit and we can give you, um, you know, our cards if you prefer. But we talk to a lot of companies, uh, you know, we've got thousands of, of huge enterprises, we've got hundreds of public companies already using our expense product. And they don't need a new bank, they don't need a new corporate card, they just want travel and expense to, to be automated and, and to have better systems there. Um, so this is the new offering with Navon Connect that we're announcing. Congratulations. That sounds so interesting. Um, I had someone on the podcast once say that they would stop working in fintech when it's no when their job is lo- no longer needed. And I feel like in the sense of what you're creating, I guess right now when I think of expenses or like you said, I think of like photocopying receipts, writing like I spent 50 
whatever, five pounds or whatever in the coffee shop. And that is actually a job or a, a carved out as a job that someone has to do, whether the, that whether it's the PA or the grad or whoever it is, or even just doing it yourself. And so you take out that, but even from the other side with all these expense systems, the way they are, like like you've said, are so clunky that it's a whole system in itself that's you, you put the expense in. So with Navan Connect, you're kind of completely taking that just element out of it completely cutting the middle mound out of it so in a sense I guess what I was trying to say is that whole idea of expenses no longer exists do you know what I mean you know you no longer think of the concept of expenses exactly and and um you know it's it's not that there's someone's full-time job that does expenses for everybody it's a load that every single employee who submits an expense or travel for work needs to bear and our opportunity and what we're creating is that employees can focus now on the meeting that they're at or the work that they're meant to be doing that they signed up for, not the administrative tasks of managing your travel and expenses. So if we can automate this entire thing, it allows people to not sit down on a Sunday, take out all their receipts, photocopy them, code them, and, and submit them. Um, it, it allows the admins and the finance team not to need to chase uh, receipts, right? I, in my past companies, you know, you'd get something once a month hey, you have expenses you haven't filed, make sure you submit them so that you get paid back during the next payroll period. And, and it's just a lot of administrative burden to manage your travel and expenses that um, employees no longer need to bear when they use us. So I'd, I'd love to know a little bit more about Navan Connect, like how it came about, why you decided to go in that direction. Like you kind of said, you know, it's beca- because of what you're building, like, but why, why, did, why did you decide to kind of go in this direction with Navan Connect? Yeah, it's a great question. So we we build great um, applications for for our customers. That's what we know how to do as a technology company, and we love when we can rely on partners and other institutions or companies who their focus is infrastructure and um, you know providing these types of services. So when we built our travel platform, we built a great application. We built a, a whole call center and support system. But we, we pipe in the inventory from the global distribution system and other players. When we decided to you know, even build our technology company, we built it on AWS, which helps support the cloud infrastructure. And when we, when we decided to build expense management, we went pretty deep on the fintech area and we, we raised big, you know, hundreds of millions of warehouse facilities in order to front credit for customers. Um, but a lot of our partnership is with companies like Stripe and with Plaid and with CreditSafe to evaluate credit. And, and we love when we can find these types of partners that allow us to uh, focus on what we do best. And when we were, you know, continuing to sell and work with companies, there are some times when a company says, I love your expense product, I love your travel product, but I've got a really good relationship with my bank. And uh, we have these credit cards rolled out and it would be a hassle to change all of our credit cards. But they like the idea of actually controlling policy, which then allows them to give out more cards and be more comfortable with, you know, let's say new grads having corporate cards, but they don't do it because they can't control the policy on that card. And so we thought, you know, if we want to build a big, long, you know, sustainable business, we can continue to do our own cards and get deeper and deeper into fintech. and, And we're definitely going that path as well. But if we want to accelerate this and we want to leverage our partners and big banking institutions, um, we can actually partner with them to be able to have this same experience by connecting to the networks and working with the banks in order to create this together. 
And I think there's a lot of fintechs out there and, you know, in Silicon Valley and things like that, that, that think that they can, you know, take down the banks and uh, they want to create a new bank. And for us, it's not what we do. <clears throat> it's not what we're good at. It's not what we're focused on. And we, we thought, well, what if we can actually partner instead of going and competing directly with these banks? Um, and the banks are excited with it. The, the networks are excited with it. And, um, and I think our customers are as well because of those treasury and banking relationships, because they don't want to switch the card if they don't need to, um, but they want to have the same benefits that we have. And, and also um, the aspect about going global, big banks are really good at, and they have years of experience and, and um, you know, expertise in expanding into global markets. And our customers tend to be, you know, from small, but also to very, very large. And they have programs and cards in all these different countries around the world. And in order to support that, uh, instead of us going and building our own issuing in these different currencies, we can actually partner with banks and, and be able to support that too. So there's quite a lot of you know different reasons. I, I definitely named a few, but those are some of the reasons why um, we were looking at you know going and building this uh, Navan Connect. Yeah, no, it definitely feels like you're trying to you're, you're you're looking at what you're good at and all the bits that you're not good at. You're you're kind of doing it away, which makes sense because with what with, with what your whole business is about, it's about like kind of plugging into like other people's systems. So why not focus on that? and let other people focus on the bits that they can do, which allows you to kind of like expand so quickly. So that's amazing. Yeah. And I, and I was going to say, I think it's timely, right? Like uh, we had an unfortunate event with SVB and with Signature Bank. And, you know, a lot of the regional banks are are struggling sometimes, especially in, in this economy. And, um, you know, customers want to know that their money is, is safe. Um, and so put it with a startup or put it with a big institution and a banking uh, partner that you've got a legacy relationship with, um, you know, it's it's kind of a no-brainer for for some of our customers and, and that's what they want to do. So um, I think it's a timely solution as well. I'm going to move on slightly. Like, is there like a fintech fact or stat or it could still be like, you know, obviously within this, um, with it for, with Navan and like what Navan's got going on because it seems like there's a lot happening. Is there something that you've learned or like you want to share like with the audience? Yeah, I mean, we, we can talk about... Um, you know, some of the stats around expense management and that 20% uh, or 21% of, of uh, fraud in small businesses is related to expense management and the fact that, you know, 19% of expenses have errors in them and, and that it takes, you know, on average $58 to, to process a single report. That's, that's more Navon focus. I think where from a macro perspective and, and maybe more interesting to more and more, um, you know, people in the audience is, uh, in November 2021, six of the top 10 publicly traded fintechs had negative operating margins. And as of December 2022, 10 out of 10 of them of the top, you know, uh, uh publicly traded fintechs have positive operating margins. And I find that stat incredibly interesting. Uh, it just really illuminates the switch to you need to be profitable, you need to build a healthy business. And I think, you know, during the pandemic, before the pandemic, uh, we had a lot of companies that were grow, grow, grow at all costs. And, and I think now it's about growing very fast, but in a very sustainable way and having positive operating margins. And um, that's a stat that I, I recently read that I thought was incredibly interesting. Yeah. I mean, what do you think has driven this shift? Why do you think people kind of, do you feel like companies feel this pressure to to be profitable? Or do you think there's, you th do you, or do you think because of all the things that have happened in like this year slash last year, um, we don't have any sort of space for 
um, companies that aren't actually building something useful and sustainable. Yeah, I think that's it. I think I think it's it's pressure from you know the investors and the public markets to make sure that companies are showing profitability or a path to that uh, in a much more scrutinized way than in the past. I think in the past it was you can grow and and you can kind of excuse some of these things and you'll go and fix them later. But when the economy gets shaky, no one wants to hear the story about fixing it later. They want you to fix it now. And Bill.com is actually a, a really good example of that. They were uh, the number two highest publicly traded company in, in November 2021. They had negative operating margins. Um, I'm looking at it here. It's about negative 12%. They're now, I think it's number uh, they're number eight now, and they've got 4% positive uh, operating margins. So a company like Bill.com actually figured out very quickly how to switch into a positive operating margin, and they've stayed in the top 10. But you've got a lot of other players that are no longer valued anywhere near as high as they were before. And these other players have come in that show positive operating margins uh, now being at the top 10. So it's just an anecdote, but it really shows the emphasis on making sure that you're building a sustainable and a profitable business in today's economy. Yeah, and I think the, just the overall attitude towards like businesses or startups or like, I guess, tech-led businesses has changed as well, where maybe before it was about the idea. And like you said, now people are like, where are the returns? And that kind of leads me on to, I'm going to ask you like a couple like more personal questions, but about your career and stuff. And I'm just looking at questions from the previous guests. And I think your your knowledge is like quite wide, <laughs> vast um and so i'm a question that was previously asked was like how do you learn about this space because like you said with navan you had to kind of look and understand fintech and like understand that offering as part of the overall travel um the overall travel business so how do you learn about fintech but more broadly like your area because no one goes to school i guess learning thinking like i'm gonna work in travel expenses, or, or maybe you did, actually. Let me not assume. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. I was actually pre-med, and then I, I started a company and realized it really like um, entrepreneurship and, and building businesses and, and, and sales and things like that. But um, Wait, what was the company that you started? If you, do you want Yeah, to yeah, know? sure. It was, a, it was an insurance brokerage. Um, a couple friends and I decided that, um, you know, my mom was an insurance uh, agent and she, she ran her own business. And we were, you know, normal college kids uh, trying to figure out how we can make some money in the summer. So we decided, um, you know, why don't we just start an insurance brokerage? And we were in UCLA, which is near Beverly Hills. So we said, well, what if we could sell like car insurance, life insurance, health insurance, annuities? Uh, it'd be a pretty interesting market um, to, to go and do that. So we we started a company and and uh, we ended up having something like forty licensed agents, uh, you know, with all which were all of our friends in in uh, UCLA and, and stuff like that. And we were we were selling this. So that was um, kind of my first foray foray into uh, into startups. Um, but to answer your question on like how how do we become you know knowledgeable about the space for us it's not about necessarily really learning um the travel space or the fintech space and i won't claim that i'm an expert by any means i don't think you know any any of our, our earlier employees will we've definitely hired experts in these different spaces but for us um i think it's a huge advantage actually to not come from the space to look at a problem and say there's got to be a better way how would we do it if we could start it from scratch and that's kind of what led us down these paths. It was never, um, let's be a fintech because fintech is cool, and which which is definitely cool. But you know, it's it's uh, it's not the it's not the reason why we started this. 
we saw a problem from customers that we were trying to serve. And we said that our mission is to make the entire travel and expense process automated and seamless and enjoyable for employees at work to give them really good experiences um, with products that are designed for, for people. And in doing that, that's what led us down this path of, okay, we really need to understand travel in depth and we need to hire people that know this space. We really need to figure out fintech and hire people that understand payments and and you know the entire fintech landscape. Um, and so that's kind of what drives us and, and forces us to, to go and learn. But it's really this relentless focus on our customer, um, which a lot of times is the end user employee, but a lot of times it's the EA, it's the admin, it's the uh, controller, it's the accounting team, it's the, it's the CFO. And that's what's uh, led us down this path. Yeah, that, that's, that makes a lot of sense. Like, you're, like, like, I feel like what has come across quite well in this talk is like, you focus on the bits that you know, and if you don't, you get people or companies that do. What keeps you up at night professionally and personally? No, I think, I think um, what keeps me up at night is serving the millions of people that are using our products today. Um, and then the billions of people who are not yet using our products, right? And it's it's about creating that that amazing experience. And, um, you know, I, I can say really earnestly, like when COVID hit, right? And the pandemic uh, hit and there was absolutely no more travel in the industry. And we were like this $4 billion startup with a thousand employees saying like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Or, you know, the SVB crisis that we recently had, um, those, those like we're, we're pretty good at, at handling and we have really good executors and we generally, um, pick a path and go and stick to it and, 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 and get it. But I think what keeps me up at night is like a few months ago, um, I have this anecdote. I was leaving the airport and I put my expense, my Nirvana expense card in the meter and, um, and I got the, the receipt and I clicked the notification. I wanted to make sure my expense was good. And there was a bug and it took forever to open up the camera and it took me to the wrong page. And like, that's a night where I didn't sleep because that means that we had our customers that were experiencing this bug, which is anti our vision of making this thing seamless and automated. And for me, that's something that we control that that is a problem. And like that keeps me up at night, um, you know, dealing with some of the crises that are going on. They're, they're definitely hard. They're um, you know, they're, they're, they're difficult to manage, but generally we know how to execute. And, uh, when we have a single focus, uh, when there's a time of crisis, we generally execute very well against that. Um, but, uh, and, and those are things that you don't control. So the things that we do control that, that, that go wrong, that's what keeps me up at night from a work perspective. Um, I would say personally, I'm getting married, uh, very, very soon. And so lately that's been keeping me up at night. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> just the planning and we're doing it in Croatia. So it's, um, you know, it's a lot of travel and, and planning for a wedding where we're not really seeing the venue or the, the places, um, we can be a bit stressful. So we're, we're working on that right now. Amazing. Yeah. That does sound stressful. <laughs> um, I, I, why Croatia are you from there or just like beautiful destination or both? Yeah. My, my family's from there and, uh, my sister lives there with her husband and, and, uh, and son. So, um, we thought it would be an amazing way to coerce all of our friends and family to go on a great vacation this summer, uh, in a great destination. Yeah, that sounds, yeah. I mean, I've been to Croatia once. It was with, um, university on a sports trip. I, I can't even do sports. I was wow. doing netball. Um, <laughs> 
I was actually very bad at netball, but I managed to convince them to take me on this sports trip. Yeah, until the until the, it came the day where I actually had to play netball and I didn't even understand the rules of the game. Um, I was just there for the holiday and the vibes and, you know, just, you know, to keep, you know, team morale, not for actual sports. Um, so, so we didn't do very well with me on the team. But, but I, I am, Croatia's beautiful. <laughs> Outside of that, nice. outside of my traumatic netball experience where I actually had to play, um, Croatia was actually really beautiful. Like, it's really, really nice. I, um, the islands and stuff. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Okay. So um, now we're going to do my quick fire round. So I'm just going to ask you questions that have nothing to do with fintech. Are you ready? Yeah. Would you rather always be 10 minutes late or always be 20 minutes early? 20 minutes early. Would you rather have skin that changes colour based on your emotions or tattoos appear all over your body depict, depicting what you did yesterday? I would do the changing the colour. Pretty transparent. Yeah. I think the tattoos will be fun. <laughs> would you rather have people spread a terrible lie about you or have people spread terrible true tales about you? True tales. Would you rather be the absolute best at something that no one um, takes seriously or be average at something well-respected? Absolute best. Would you rather stay the age you are physically forever or stay the way you are now financially forever? Physically. Would you rather be able to speak any language or be able to communicate with animals? Oh, animals, for sure. Would you rather change the outcome of the last election or get to decide the outcome of the next election? Get to decide. Um, would you rather have super sensitive taste buds or super sensitive hearing? Hearing. Would you rather sleep in a dog house or let stray dogs sleep in your bed? Probably the dog house. And last but not least, if I gave you 10,000 bananas and you couldn't sell them, eat them or give them away, what would you do with them? I couldn't sell them, eat them, or give them away to people or to anything. Anything. You, you couldn't give them away. Well, could I leave them somewhere that people could take them if they wanted it? That's kind of giving That's them giving away. That's giving away? I guess the only thing to do is throw them away. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Maybe make some banana shakes and buy a really big freezer and, you know, have banana shakes for life. I'm going to say no because I'm going to... I'm going to... I'm gonna say they're still eating them, okay. even if you're freezing. So yeah. what else? What, what, what else can you? I'm curious what other people have asked. I think I think the only solution is to throw them away. To be fair, one of my friends she hates bananas, and I asked her that question. I forgot she hates bananas, and she was literally like, "I will throw them out the window." Like she's like, "I have no interest." So <laughs> like, you can't do that. Or like, yeah, someone said build a house out of. I don't know how you build a house out of bananas, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, okay, cool. Well, we've kind of got to the end. I've got like. Uh, one last question. Um, what what do you think I should ask the next friend of the show? What was the most difficult um, time in your professional career, or what was what was your oh shit moment uh, in your career or company? I think are make for really interesting conversations. And what was that for you? Oh, good one. I think for us, it was it was the pandemic. Um, you know, we're sitting there as a very very fast growing, uh, well-capitalized business that all of a sudden all revenue completely dropped to zero. In fact, went negative when we were issuing a bunch of refunds um, and trying to figure out what are we going to do with the company in a time where there's a global pandemic and no uh, no understanding of how serious it is and, and if there would be a cure. Um, so from a professional career standpoint, um, 
it was very, very serious and uh, and a very interesting challenge to navigate. Yeah, of course, a travel business in a time when no one can travel. That's <laughs> right. very difficult. Right. So, but but you you managed to kind of create this whole rebrand. Now we've got Navan Connect. Yeah, I think there's a there's an interesting quote to tie it back to, which is the depths of your struggle translate to the heights of your success. And I think we saw it as a huge opportunity and are happy to be, you know, exiting the pandemic now at at more than twice the valuation, twice, way more than twice the amount of customers that we have, employee growth, um, and those types of things. So I think it's a really true saying. And if you take advantage of some of these opportunities uh, in a crisis, I think it can create really high successes for you. Amazing. Thank you for that. I think that's a really great place to end. I really like that quote, the depths of your struggle translate the heights of your success. Yeah, that's a great place to end. Thank you so much, Michael, for coming on, for telling me about Navan and also Navan Connect. Um, so yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was, it was really fun and, and definitely different at the end with the rapid fire questions. Signals is our subscriber only reads, and I'm going to read you a snippet from one of the latest articles. The biggest winner of Buy Now Pay Later is Mastercard by Sophie Vo. The largest Buy Now Pay Later platform may have lost anywhere from 13 to 95 percent in market value since their 2021 peaks, but that hasn't stopped business from booming. It turns out that Buy Now Pay Later adoption is still on the rise, now accounting for 2.8% of all retail e-commerce platforms. The Buy Now Pay Later market is forecasted to grow to $3.7 trillion by 2030 as shoppers ditch credit cards for lower interest payment methods as 15% of consumers report already having done in the past few months. Apple joined the Buy Now Pay Later chat with Apple Pay Later because it's Apple and the Apple Pay made up only half a percent of Apple's total revenue last year and pay later isn't designed to be much more profitable. It does, however, position Apple to take a major stake in buy now pay later's growing adoption and steer towards core Apple products. There is a silent winner in this launch who will gain core product adoption and a net higher profit. And that's MasterCard. To dive into the rest of this incredible article, please subscribe to the This Week in Fintech newsletter and this podcast. Okay, Invents. So on June the 15th, we have the FinTech Living Room coming up in Singapore. In Tel Aviv, we have the FinTech Happier Hour coming up on also on the 15th of June. And on July the 22nd, we have the FinTech Picnic happening in New York Central Park. 